Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric. Live online at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Aloha! Tonight on BC Radio Live, a jam-packed musical extravaganza, if ever there was one. We will hear tonight from Long Island singer-songwriter Amy Leonard and his new album that will be out next year. In addition, we will learn about the folks artist John McKee's latest project, iVideoSong.com. Before that, we will talk with Tom author of 1,000 Recorders Here at North Sky. Today is Wednesday, September the 10th, and this is a rainy Wednesday night edition of BC Radio Live. The chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. The live video feed is now running. I am Philip Wynn, button pusher for BC Radio Live and chief geek at BC Magazine. And I am joined tonight, as most weeks, by Eric Olson and Lisa McKay. Eric is BC Magazine's founder and publisher. And Lisa is BC Magazine's executive editor. Hello to the both of you. Man, Hi, that there. that all sounds so impressive. We are, <laughs> man, we are quite the we are quite the triumvirate. <laughs> so the big well, question, Philip, is you are now an official Technorati slash Blog Critics employee. You've had I three am. days on the job. What's it like? What's going on? What's happening? Well, it's yeah, it is. It's midweek through my midweek through my first week as a full-time employee working uh, on Blog Critics all the time. Of course, uh, first couple of days on a new job, so a lot of it's been spent learning the systems and waiting for a computer to be sent to me, uh, which promptly died. <laughs> so, uh, you know, oh, I didn't even get mine yet. Yeah, well, if you'd gotten it, it probably wouldn't work like mine. I, <laughs> did I did. Did you see what we what what we have to do tomorrow? What training we have tomorrow? Oh yes, we have harassment training. It's lovely. <laughs> I already know how to harass people. <laughs> Sexually or otherwise. Yeah, I actually a friend of mine uh, uh FedExed me or ordered ordered me from Amazon a book called Working from Home. You can see it there in the uh video feed for the chat room. So I, I I think that's delightful. That's that's the key here is that uh, my commute is approximately 15 seconds. I do get up and shower and get dressed every day and then wander into my office and shut the door. And In your jammies? No, 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 fully dressed, you know, wearing T-shirts usually. <laughs> I did call this the the rainy Wednesday night edition, you'll notice. This is, this is Dallas is raining tonight. It's just cold here. It's cold and clear. It's like, uh, I think it's going down to the upper 40s tonight. Oh, it's like 73 yeah, while raining here. Yeah, it's what's that gorgeous weather. We've uh, had uh, quite, a, quite a change. I mean, it's clear, you know, it's nice in the day. I think it's supposed to be high 70s tomorrow. And I'm in Cleveland, by the way, for those who are not... Uh, who are, who are not uh, inveterate listeners. But you know what? we got to get the Curtis, man. Guy's we do. Waiting, waiting on the line. He's waiting oh so, so very patiently, and uh, I've, I've become an instant fan of his just this afternoon. So we need to, we need to jump right in there. 
Heck yeah. So let's, let's get to it. This is BC Radio Live, live every week at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio, co-hosting with Eric and Lisa. I am Philip. Uh, Curtis Peoples is uh, actually going to be touring with Keaton Simons, who was a, a recent favorite guest on the show. Uh, he's a San Diego singer-songwriter who is embarking on a tour of the West Coast. And uh, let's get things started by listening to a sample of one of his songs. This is Back Where I Started. Mona, you know it's fault. Excuses won't save you at all. MySpace.com slash Curtis Peoples. That's C-U-R-T-I-S Peoples. The album is also called Curtis Peoples, and it's available on either Amazon or iTunes. And right now we're delighted to have Curtis on the line with us. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Curtis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we we just got into San Francisco. We're playing out here tonight. So I've been pleasantly sitting here watching uh, the San Francisco skyline. So There are worse things to do. Exactly. <laughs> you're on a West Coast tour. I think you're in San Francisco tonight. You're going to be in, uh, let's see here, according to the MySpace uh, website, Portland tomorrow, Seattle the day after that, Spokane the day after that. I'm looking forward to catching you in late September uh, in Dallas, where I am. Oh, great. I, yeah, yeah. I mentioned we had uh, we had Keaton on the show a few weeks ago, and I was quite delighted and, and uh, signed up to, to be there. Oh, great. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's actually... In the front seat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, that's traveling. quite a coincidence. Yeah, we're all traveling together on uh, on this tour. It, it's uh, it's the way to do it. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, it's me and Keaton and uh, Tony Luca. We're all just you know we're all in a band together and doing it, doing it. You know. Do you guys actually support so. each other when you're playing? Oh, we do a lot of that. I have a guitar player um, that plays with me. Um, my, um, and then they, um, everyone kind of plays solo for the most part, but everyone gets up for about two or three songs in each other's sets. We've toured, we've done a couple of tours like this before. Um, it's been great. It's always worked out really great. Oh, that's so. super. Yeah, we loved having uh, uh, Keaton on. So yeah, that's great. But we, we've really had an awfully good success with with uh, Southern California musicians. Man, we've just, I mean, we really haven't had anyone on who wasn't both. Fun to talk to, interesting person, and you know, great musicians. We really had good luck. Yeah, I've really gotten lucky to meet some really great. There's some. There's just a lot of really great talent, um, you know, in, in the area, in the Southern California area. So it's it's really nice, and everyone's got you know some form of a national fan base. So we're able to go out and do these tours like this. It's really great. Now, how many albums is this? Your first album, or have you had others? This is my first full length. I had an EP out. Um, a few years back, but this is my first full um, full length album. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you know just give us your background, how'd you get into it, how long you've been doing it, and yeah. uh, all, all that sort of uh, good stuff. 
Yeah, so, yeah, no, like you said, I was from San Diego. I'm from San Diego. I actually was down there this weekend doing the San Diego City Release show because the record just came out like two weeks ago. Um, and then I saw my San Diego Chargers lose, which was fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm from San Diego. I, I, you know, I, I had a band there that was doing really well. Um, we started in high school and we were into college. And as bands do, we broke up. And Artistic uh, differences? Uh, no, my, who's still my best friend, the guitar player had like a punk band. And punk is really popular down there. Yeah. And I got signed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was kind of it. Well, there's worse, so, ways, uh, there's worse ways for it to end than, you know. No, it really worked out the best. What's really great is that him and I, beyond staying friends, we, we stayed creatively involved. I, I write songs for his band, and he wrote songs, uh, co-wrote songs for my record, and he designs all my merch. It's really nice. It's cool. Well, that it is was, excellent. What's his name, and what's nice. his band? His name is Vic Fuentes, and the band is called uh, Pierce the Veil. Well, how funny is that, Philip and Lisa? We've had them on here as well. We've had them on. There you go. And the world world gets smaller. It sure does. (laughs) Golly. And it's not even the same PR people. I was going to say, oh, you know, all you guys are are rep by the same PR people. It's not. It's been different companies. What a a small world. That's a testament to you guys, too. (laughs) God, you're a genius is what I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Flattery <laughs> will get you everywhere. Yeah, you've just shot way up on the list. So, so who are your? I mean, how do you characterize yourself musically? I mean, I hear kind of a you know kind of a roots rock, uh, you know, modern rock type thing um, feel, but you know, with with some uh, real passion to the vocals and and some some good memorable tunes in there. I don't know. I just maybe just because I was thinking about him lately because he's been around, but. I heard some, you know, wallflowerish, you know, Jacob totally. Jacob Dylan type feel. I didn't want to make no, the no, comparison that, in, very, in any kind of negative way. Oh no, I, I, that's he's that band has always um, been one of my favorites, and um, I think that what they, you know, that whole Tom Pettyish thing that they always that Bruce Springsteen Tom Petty thing that they've always done, right? Uh, influence on me. Yeah, you know what's really fun is um, I was making coming up with this record. I ended up making it a self-titled title for the record just calling Curtis Peoples but what I really wanted to call it is what I've been calling my music now um, which is um, I came up with the term coffee shop arena rock I like it yeah which I felt like did the trick you know because I it's it's coming out of the singer songwriter thing um, for sure but at the same time you know as all my friends in the car or not in the car know I am really very much a big rock fan I've been obsessed with Van Halen and and Journey and bands like that lately. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to take that sound and, paint, you know, paint it up with bigger courses and a little more fun and unique. So The best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. And that's, the you know, that's exactly what I would want to listen to, and that's I'm, I'm trying, just trying to make something that I would actually enjoy. If I was you know, there. that is such a great answer because, you know, I, I don't think enough people, especially younger musicians, and, and I mean, I'm gathering you're, you're pretty young. How old are you? I'm just curious. I'm 26. Just yeah, well, that's young, especially these days, you know. It's not like, uh, unless, you're, unless you're in the, you know, uh, the teen pop field, you know, 26 is... Is still pl- plenty young in in. Well, uh, if anyone sees me, they, I definitely um shock people with my age. I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't, I uh, I, I get, I get the baby face, uh, twenty year old. I get compared to the Jonas Brothers a lot these days. For good or good or for ill, yeah. Well, you your picture you know certainly look young, yeah. Yeah, I know. But uh, I was I was just gonna say though, you I what you said is actually quite profound in that. 
you know, if if musicians would focus, I, not just musicians, you know, artists, and and even extrapolate it from there, you know, people, but but keep it to artists. You know, if, if mm-hmm. people would focus on doing, on creating, you know, what in whatever field they're in, uh, what they like best, then I mean, then then the worst thing that can happen is they'll enjoy themselves and they, and they'll be true to themselves. Right. Right, and that's, that's, that amazes me that people have such a problem with doing that, you know, and achieving that, you know. Um, yeah, but that's, you know, I'm just a music fan. I'm a huge music fan, and I just happen to make my own music and write songs and sing songs, you know. So, I, you know, it's, it's the greatest thing in the world to get to do that. How long have you been playing professionally? Uh, professionally, well, the band, the band really actually really was happening since I was like 15, like going out and playing shows. Um, and then I've done this as a solo artist, really touring and actually doing it for about four years. And and what uh, when you're playing live, do you since since you since you since you are a um, uncloseted rocker as well as a singer songwriter, do you ever get frustrated at at you know having less sound when you're out there, or do you just focus on what you are able to present in a more intimate hey, setting? You know what? No, it's I, cause, uh, the, my, the best thing I can do. You know, I I we just did a tour. Um, when the record came out, we went. I did an East Coast Midwest thing, and I actually got the band for that. So that was awesome. Obviously, having the bigger sound and doing the full band thing. But I learned to love and and see the value in playing acoustic because what it did is it forced me to share a lot more of my personality and and you know and, and learn to really you know give the songs the best I could, even you know even with just an acoustic guitar. So I grew to really enjoy it. I love playing with a full band. I think that's the way to, that's, you know, that's, that's the way I love to do it. But, I, you know, I've really grown to love playing acoustic. I would miss it if I didn't do it at all. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, playing, I mean, the, all the attention goes to your voice. So really, I would think, forces you to work on your vocals, really make them, yeah. you know, carry the song and be the most that they can be because you're, you know, you're, you're not able to use volume. You're not able to hide behind volume. You're kind of taking the energy and the volume out of it, and and putting all the focus on on your you know musicianship and on your on your vocals and on your storytelling so, yeah, ability. Exactly the lyrics, the whole thing. Yeah, it really it really focuses it to uh, it really breaks it down to what's important in the song. And also, you know, the truth of it is, like I believe I I, I you know people have said this before, but I think it was Lenny Kravitz that I actually read say it. But if a song can't hold up acoustic, it probably isn't good. Um, and I really no matter how big of a song I write, uh, production-wise, if I can't sit down and really enjoy it, me and the guitar, it's probably lacking something. Right. Well, it's the focus is on the melody, you know, and, and a, a memorable tune, and on the quality of your voice and and your, like you said, personality and charisma, and. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, all that's to the good. I mean, you can use all of that in as big a band setting as you want, you know. Right, right. I mean, look at someone right. like Springsteen, who's so great at both. Right. No, he's definitely a, a huge uh, uh, influence as far as, like, goals to achieve. You know, what he can do from, what he's done from going from rock to pop to folk to, you know, to just anything in between. He's, you know, he really is run the gambit and succeeded at all of it on some level. He he sure has. He's done about everything but jazz, I guess. You know, I don't, I don't know. We're going to hear a E Street Band jazz album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Although, you know, the early albums, he, he uh, um, his keyboard player, his original keyboard player, David Sanchez, he really was a jazzy kind of player. So yeah. so there's even some elements of that early on, you know. I was, I was saying it jokingly, but... I'll tell you what, un- unfortunately, we are going to be about out of time. Um, so let's, uh, let's, we do want to hear a little bit more from you. In fact, uh, here's another... Because uh, you rock! Right, another Curtis People song showing a little bit of the range uh, to wrap things up. This is Tell Me I'm Wrong. Thanks for having me on it. I'll really enjoyed it, Curtis. Hey, where are you playing tonight? Uh, we're playing at the Red Devil Lounge in San Francisco, yeah. So, hey, everyone go check it out. I don't care if you're in uh, San Antonio. Get there now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you again. in Dallas. All right. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, that's, that's actually going to be uh, going to be kind of fun. I got myself put on the list after talking to Keaton, and I think uh, knowing now that he's going to be there, that is going to be a fantastic show. So uh, let's let's move on. Actually, this is BC Radio Live with Eric, Lisa, and me, Philip. Join us live each Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern at BlogTalkRadio.com/BCRadio. Now, uh, you may think you have eclectic taste in music, but uh, I'm pretty sure bet you haven't heard all the songs in 1,000 recordings to hear before you die, uh, including classical, jazz, rock, pop, blues, country, folk, uh, musicals, hip-hop, world, opera, soundtracks, and, and more than that even. Uh, unless, unless, actually, you're the author of that book, Tom Moon. He or you're me. Well, I bet you haven't heard all 1,000. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> he spent, uh, Tom spent three and a half years putting the book together, interviewing hundreds of artists, and he's here tonight to tell us what he learned. The website is 1,000recordings.com. That's the number 1,000recordings.com. And the book, is again, is 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. And welcome to BC Radio Live, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me, you guys. Our pleasure, man. You are right in our flipping wheelhouse. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. First of all, it's a great book. It really is a great book. And and Philip's right. I mean, I'm I'm a I've been writing about music professionally for years. I don't want to say 35 years. And uh, I ha- I ha- I own about I'm about the 35,000 range between CDs wow. and records. And uh, but man, there's a lot of stuff in here. I there's not too much I at least haven't heard of, although there's even some of those. But there's quite a few I have not actually heard. You are, you are truly eclectic. You are, man. You are around the world, up and down, longitude, latitude, and in my face. Well, more than more. Thank you very much. But more than that, it's it's about like I think it's about curiosity. And as you know from doing it for a long time, what happens with people critics i were was a critic at the philadelphia Inquirer for 20 years and what what happens is you get into that thing where you think you know what you what your what your readers want so therefore you think you know what you want and just like anyone else in the culture you get a little bit of a blinders on and you end up not seeing all the great stuff that's out there and i i'm really convinced that uh as broad as the range is on the itunes welcome screen it's really not very broad compared to what the great multitude of music that's available to us at our fingertips right now. Yeah, we this is sure this is the magical time for being a music fan. I mean, just imagine a hundred years ago, well, hundred and thirty years ago, there was no recording period. You know, a right. hundred years ago, um there were very, very low fi recordings of a relatively narrow range. Although although being being something of a student of recording history, I mean, th- there was quite a variety, you know, really right off the bat, and, and a lot of it was in music. There was a lot of spoken word stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's very interesting to look at the, at the beginnings of it actually. But but there's no question that the fidelity was was not good, right. and so you know, you got to get up to the 20s, late 20s, when when the, they introduced the electric recording. Is that's the stuff kind of kind of really nothing before that is 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 very listenable to our ears but right and even that the early ones of those like the charlie pattons and some of the stuff that okay records did in the 20s is tough sledding as as far as modern years go you 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 have to sort of uh, take away all your preconceptions about what things are supposed to sound like when you listen to some of those yeah, I found myself putting disclaimers in the book on some of those for that reason. And, and and not just recording style, but some of that classic early blues, it just sounds so foreign. The performing yeah. style, you know, the the way they use the guitar, for example, True. is so different from what – I mean, even to this day, someone as revered and as picked apart and as listened to, especially over the last 20, 30 years, as Robert Johnson, I mean, there's just almost no one alive who can really play like that. Clapton right. doesn't really play like that no, when he no, plays no. Robert Johnson songs. That's right. No, no, no one ever did. His rhythm is so odd. Yeah. Yeah, all those things where it's like it's not a 12-bar form, but actually it's a 13-bar form, and there's a bar in there that, that moves around, and sometimes he plays it straight. Sometimes he skips over a line, it's, uh, and yet when you hear it, it's seamless. Exactly, and that's that's true artistry. Well, my question, and of course, you have Robert Johnson here, the complete recordings, of have, course. Have which, to, yeah. yeah. you can't leave that out. Hey, you know, I used to be pretty good friends with Robert Santelli, and oh, he's sure. a great blues expert, and yeah. I actually learned quite a bit from you know reading his books and talking to him. For a while, I'm in Cleveland. He was the education guy at the Rock Hall sure. early on. It opened. Yeah, and um, so I, I I I had a. 
I had about my fifth blues period when I was talking to him a lot in the you know mid to late nineties had a resurgence and I'm probably I'm probably due it's probably every decade you know I get back into it. My question about the book though is how you know with that kind of background and twenty years as a as a professional writer at a paper and all that how how did you decide you know what are the criteria now just a quick a quick little empathetic statement here i was the the principal author and editor of the encyclopedia of record producers for billboard books yeah in 99 and so i had to make all these decisions too you know yeah. what counts and 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 how much do we go for variety how deep do we go in any given genre and all that kind of stuff so sure. i don't want to put words in your mouth but i'm really curious as to as to your methodology for assembling well, yeah, and and it's it's a squishy one inevitably, but I started with a very basic uh yardstick. I didn't I wanted something that I could apply to every recording in the book and I I the best way I could distill that was I needed to find peak experiences. I needed to find music that was almost unassailable on some level that either it had moved the goalposts uh the way say Michael Jackson's Thriller did or it was uh, an evidence of a clear, like, musical mind like none other we'd ever had, like Charlie Parker, perhaps. And it, it seemed to me that if I just focused on things that were peaks, uh, I'd at least have a, a starting point. And sure enough, the first year I spent listening to just what you would call the world culture greatest hits, things like Blonde on Blonde, the Brandenburg Concertos, uh, Glenn Gould playing the Bach-Goldberg variations, several versions of the Beethoven symphonies, you know, Hank Mobley's Soul Station and some of the great Blue Note. Uh, Did you blowing. use the Smithsonian list? I, I, I did have the Smithsonian list. I had I, I consulted every possible list I could find, the Dave Marsh 500 singles book, the Mojo magazine list, the Rolling Stone list, everything like that. But the I Encyclopedia also, of Record Producers. Right. <laughs> exactly. But I also found myself reading Amazon reviews and, and online reviews, just record store reviews where people would go, this record changed my life. And I had a little bit of a budget, and I bought some of those sight unseen, things I didn't know, and a few of those made it in. A lot of times you just go, okay, well, that says something more about your life than it does about the record. But um, I, I would, I really try to take input from a lot of that kind of just what was published. Now, at the same time, I was also going back through these 20 years of interviews I did, and I, I did a number of interviews that were brand new for the book where I'd sit with Amir Thompson from The Roots and, and say, all right, what's, you know, what's your canon? And he would just rattle off records, and I did the same thing with Jeff Tweedy and uh, several other people. And what came out of these interviews, because as you know, when you sit and talk to an artist, you, you almost are obligated to find out what they're listening to and what, has really, what records have really shaped them. And it's one thing to sort of know, okay, Nick Drake, you know, important guy, but to to have a conversation with someone like Joni Mitchell about Nick Drake, uh, you sometimes get some insight out of that. And that's what I did. So I pulled a lot of stuff from a lot of different sources. And once I had that sort of world culture greatest hits going, and that ended up being a pretty big list, and you could have easily just done a 1,000 of those, and had very little room for uh, music from less, lesser represented parts of the world, like Africa, 
or uh, Brazil. But once I had like that basic uh, large list, then I went looking for things that I, I knew to be peak experiences myself, things I'd covered over the years, uh, records that had recently come out, like the Arcade Fire record, Neon Bible. I felt very strongly about that. And I, I sort of went for, again, what was a peak experience and what could really stand next to Gershwin Rhapsody in Blue for someone that was a new listener, someone who was just coming into the beginning part of music exploration in their lives. And you could say, well, you know, you may not like Rhapsody in Blue now, but if you if you just give it a chance and approach it with an open mind, you may find something in it that's, that blows your mind. You know, it's funny that you said uh, what stands next to say Rhapsody in Blue, because one of the things I found most interesting about this book was the order. Uh, you, you didn't make it easy for someone determined to only check out your favorite jazz or classical or, or blues recordings. You, you cheated. You listed them alphabetically. Yeah, well, this was quite a debate internally at Working Publishing <laughs> because everybody thought the only way to organize a music book of this size was to do it by genre. And to his credit, Peter Workman, the guy who's the head of the place, uh, looked at to the quarter of the book. We had 250 entries done, and we put them in their proper genre distinctions, and there was a chapter of blues records, a chapter of jazz records, and then he looked at it like the way it is, with everything listed alphabetically by performer. And his reaction was, well, this is closer, this, this alphabetical matrix is closer to what an iPod listening experience is. And the, even though, you know, not everyone's going to do that kind of thing, it's, it's sort of serendipitous in a way. And it, it also sends the message that there are no ghettos in music, that it's all good. And, you know, as fiercely as you might be aligned with one tribe and one sound and one style, if you are willing to take one step away from that, you might find something that's amazing. A question I had is, it, it, it seems to me, and, and uh, I, guess, I guess I'm looking just for your, your thinking on it, it seems like it was important to you, and I know this is to me as well, to provide kind of a door to each of these recordings and each of these artists you know, for the general mm -hmm. listener. In other words, you know, here's what you should listen for, and, and here's your mindset for entering into this to, to appreciate it the way I do. Yeah, well, and also you you made I I had to have no assumptions about what someone was bringing to it, so that somebody who was looking at a Slater Kinney entry I might have written would not necessarily have known the bands that Slater Kinney listened to, and would not necessarily have a backstory or a catalog of recordings that they could draw on that you could you know like sort of indie rock shorthand. Okay, Sonic Youth X Y and Z. I didn't want that person to have to know the whole context to get something out of the Slater-Kinney record. And I, I think, you know, it, it was a different challenge from writing normal music criticism, but it ended up being a lot of fun because the minute that you do that, you start to think about, like, just what is it in, in, in a sound context and, and, and where does it fit in the overall scheme of things, not like you have to know these ten bands before you can really appreciate Right. Here's your prerequisites. Go do your homework, then right. come back and we'll talk. Yeah, right. Which is, you know, which I, I mean, I learned a ton reading criticism that was like that. And I just had to keep reminding myself that what I'm trying to be is like a tour guide with a flashlight, not like the uh, professor. Now, did were, were you, 
was there pressure either internally from you know yourself or from the publisher or whoever to come up with a top 100 list or anything like you know to to say these are the 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 best of the best the best the best the best the best. Well, there was talk first about ranking them, and I right. immediately said no, we we can't do that. That's you know that's that makes it an athletic competition. That's not what we're about. And then there was talk about culling a, a smaller list, and I kept saying, you know what? Any given day, there's a different thousand. First of all, because right. as we know, our tastes change every day. Uh, I want there's about 40 entries that I can rattle off off the top of my head that I'd like back, and I want to substitute 40 more things easily, right now. And uh, so I felt like if we if we had to come with a top 10 that would would stand apart from the others, that was wrong too. I mean, people have said, well, you know, what's your top 10? And I'm like, that's my answer. Every day it's different. I mean, there are a few things that I that I'd say that you know. If you're going to live in this world, you probably ought to hear kind of blue. If you're going to live blue. in this world, <laughs> right? You know, if you you probably want to hear kind of blue, you probably need to hear blood on the tracks or blonde on blonde at some point. You know, you don't well, want to you don't want to leave without having some of those kinds. You of have experience. to know who the Beatles are. Yeah, exactly. I, I I suspect we could probably go on for hours and hours, maybe even a thousand hours. I think we be better talking about this. <laughs> But uh, we do, unfortunately, have to move on with the show. Uh, right. So we'll just have to point people again to the website. Uh, that is 1000recordings.com, 1000recordings.com. Uh, you can actually get the list there. Uh, and once a day, uh, Tom is putting up an entry from the book beginning on August 28th, it looks like. Yeah. So, for example, today's entry was uh, Chuck Berry's anthology. Yesterday was one of my favorites, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. Yeah. So uh, you can you can get it a you know a day at a time. It's going to take three four years at this rate, or <laughs> you, can just, you can just run right out and pick up the book. The book is one thousand recordings to hear before you die. I should tell you also, I'm, I have a blog going there that's uh, slowly getting up to speed. It's about once a week updated now, and we're inviting people to make comments. Eventually, we hope to have a forum where people can post you know, parts of their bucket list. They have to things that they think everybody should hear because, as we know about music, there's no wrong answers. I want to know how you picked that Neil Young album. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're killing your me. Post on, your post on Blackberries, by the way, is absolutely, absolutely bang on. So uh, see, now people need to go read the blog to find out what I'm talking about. Yeah, really. <laughs> and not at a, not when they're at a concert on their Blackberry yeah, yeah, either. So, <laughs> in, the, in the privacy of your own home, check it out. <laughs> Uh, thanks very much for talking with us. Thanks Tom. for having me, you guys. Take care. Thanks. Great uh, work. Really. Thank you. Amazing stuff. Well, we uh, we are moving on with the evening. Uh, we we're running a little bit behind on time. You are listening to BC Radio Live, a weekly live radio show from BC Magazine at blogcritics.org. I am your announcer, Philip, and my co-hosts tonight, as every week, are Lisa and Eric. Our next guest uh, may someday be able to feature on one of those uh, 1,000 recordings you've got to hear before you die list of her own. Her uh, debut album is actually due out next week, uh, next year, sorry, but you can uh, visit her website and hear a few tracks from her right now. She's a Long Island singer-songwriter. Her name is Amy Leonard, or she'll correct me if I've misspelled that. And uh, let's actually start off by hearing one of her songs. This is a sample from her song El Paso. I love the way when we talk Felt like I was 
How do you pronounce your last name? Yeah, I didn't I did want to butcher your last name again without checking. It's Leonard. Leonard. Leonard, just just Leonard. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. I, I thought you looked I, like a Leonard. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have listened to this is Eric. I've listened to the whole CD. Listened to it twice today, and I'll tell you, really, I enjoyed it the first time, and it, but it really grew on me even more so the second time. I really like your voice. It's not a pretty voice, you know. It, it, there, there's a lot of character to it, and a lot of passion and depth, and and it kind of sticks out because you're in you're you're in you know broadly the singer songer category, but but there's a lot of really pretty rocking songs too, and there's a lot of great electric guitar work I noticed by the way also, and uh, yeah. it really all holds together very well. It's a really nice album as an album, and I, I enjoyed it very much. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to play live now quite a bit, so it's getting even more rocking. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like you've been singing a lot. It sounds like you're kind of throaty. Uh, yeah, I've been singing a lot, and uh, it's been great. I want to go on tour. Have you toured before? I have not. How exciting. Yeah. I mean, wow, that'll that'll be something. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about, you know, give us your background. How did you get to this point, and how long you've been at it? And, and is, I assume this is your first CD, your first album? It's my, it's my first album. And I just started like five years ago and just started working the scene in New York City, taking classes, open mics, getting gigs, meeting people, you know, making the out, writing the songs and making the album. And and I can't wait to make the next one. I'm excited. That's a good sign. Well, what inspired you? I mean, five years ago—that's not very long. You've obviously accomplished quite a bit. What made what what caused the leap? You know, was this something you've been thinking about prior to that, or I mean, yes, did you literally yeah. just you know click onto it? No, no. I well, I was in the Pacific Northwest for quite some time. They have an amazing roots scene there, uh, where people just jam. And it's heart music, and it's just amazing. So I was turned on back then. Um, but it wasn't until I came back to New York where I actually pursued it and made the album and followed through. What, was any but, was there kind of any one thing that was the, the impetus to really commit yourself to it and to make it happen? God, one thing. I, I, well, was there? I mean, if there wasn't, you know, then there wasn't. But. I don't know. I think the passion just woke up somewhere. I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's one thing. Had you it tried ha- other it things? It happens, you know. I just did it. I just did it. I don't know. It was great. 
It's so great. Yeah, you sound you sound giddy about it. You know, it's like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I am. I'm really giddy about it. I'm getting great response, and I'm just very excited. My band is incredible. If you ever get a chance, it's just it's fantastic. Wow. Great. Yeah. So, where is your tour schedule up? Can we, uh, or I mean, sorry, your dates? I you assume you're playing it's around New York. Not up yet. I'm, I'm still working on that. I mean, my dream right now, and I have some connections, is to open up for somebody. Right. So you know, get that like kind a, of exposure. Yes. Well, are you playing around New York? Yes, I'm playing around New York. You know, I played the, I played the Cutting Room, the Bitter End. Uh, the living room, the uh, Rockwood Music Hall, all the places downtown in the But I need to get out of New York City, you know. Yeah, like anything else, it can be kind of a, a, a ghetto, and it, you know, I mean, it can be kind of an insular world, just like anywhere else. A, a very yeah. large ghetto. Yes, a, a large insular <laughs> it's a world. Good it's a great <laughs> ghetto. But um, yeah, I just I am looking forward to getting out and. And the times I've gone out, it's just been amazing as well. People are very hungry for music outside of New York City. Right. How do you write? Oh. How do you write? What's your process? I sit with my guitar. And uh, usually things, honestly, like I was, an idea will come, and then the whole song kind of comes out. The best songs, although El Paso did take me a while. That was a couple of years. Like, I kept tweaking it. But um, some of the best songs just come out in, you know, five minutes. And then you tweak them. But um, but I sit with my guitar. So the guitar kind of leads it. And, I, you... and I, have, I, I have ideas, too. That one about I wish it were mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that idea because I wrote this great song. And I was like, I wish I wrote that song. And then, you know, then that song just kind of came out. Well, we've actually got a sample of uh, I Wish It Were Mine queued up we can uh, jump to in just a minute. It's kind of interesting because um, it's such a a plaintive song, uh, almost a a sad song, and it it, it seems to be really different feel, really different vibe from, uh, for example, El Paso or um, a couple of the other songs I've heard this afternoon. I Can't Change You is another interesting one. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> so are you are you playing that, Philip? Yeah, Which let me one? go ahead and uh, let's, let's jump in and uh, listen to this is a sample of uh, I Wish It Were Mine. kind of a hard admission to make, isn't it? Yeah. That's but pretty that's honest. I like it. 
Right. It's very honest, and it's it's kind of, you know, I mean, that's not an easy thing. I, I had a talk, I remember, about, you know, this was a long time, 15 years ago or something, I was interviewing Trent Reznor right when Nine Inch Nails came out, and and we started talking about his songwriting, and he said, you know, I, I wrote songs like everyone else, and, I mean, I think I've always had talent, and I'm, you know, I, I think I'm pretty gifted musically, but... But my lyrics just didn't really come together, didn't mean much to me, until one day I, I just said, screw it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to reveal it all. And he started writing songs based on his private, personal journal. And that's when he hit on that whole sort of, you know, his what's become, I imagine, a, a cliche. But, you know, it wasn't early on, this sort of very, you know, starkly self-aware, even self-lacerating approach to songwriting. But the point is, is he had to really be honest. And, and, and he said, I was embarrassed writing those first few songs. Yeah. That's my trademark, though. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Embarrassment? <laughs> you get, yes, you get embarrassed at first. But then you know what? You just, like, accept, like, it's life. And it's just being human. It actually works in the end. Oh, absolutely it works. I'm not embarrassed at all. I I was. It's funny that you mention it because I used to be. Now I'm not at all. Like I feel proud. You know, I I just I totally got over that. Yeah. But it was a process to go through that. Like, oh, my God, I'm revealing so much. And, you know, what are people going to think? The reason the song works is because I think most of us who hear it, whether we want to admit it right up front or not, we relate to what you're saying. I mean, you know, most of us have had that sort of bittersweet, oh, I'm so happy for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moment. We, really you know, I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily occur to me to like, you know, trumpet that around or, or write a song about it. But uh, when, when I hear you sing it, it, it definitely feels familiar. Sure, it touches a nerve. It's real. That's that's why it works because it is potentially embarrassing. But like you say, kind of once it's already out there, then you can take pride in it because you know that it is real. Yeah, and you know what? It, you know, like it changes you. I mean, I still have those feelings, but I feel like I, I really am more happier for people. Like it kind of changes you once you admit it. Interesting. Yeah, I really well, think it's uh Life imitating art imitating life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I we're about exactly out of right. time. We're about out of time. <laughs> So let's uh, okay. let's point people again to your website. There's actually, there are actually a couple of them. There's uh, there's myspace.com slash Amy Leonard. That's A M Y N E sorry L E N N A R D. Or right. there's AmyLeonardMusic.com. That's correct. And uh, people can find out a little bit more there. See more about your uh, your debut album due out next year. And I think uh, I think that's worth looking forward to. And I, I hope we can have you back on when when that's uh, available and you're touring. Yeah, it's a yeah. real nice CD. Like I said, I, I listened you. to it twice. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy okay. with it. Thank, Thank you. you. Great talking to you. Good luck Thanks with everything. Me on. I appreciate hope, it. hope that tour comes together for you. Thank you. I'll, yeah, I'll keep you posted. All right. Okay, thanks. Bye, Amy. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we are moving into our uh, final interview of the night, only only a little bit behind schedule. 
this is BC Radio Live, a weekly production from blogcritics.org, hosted by Eric, Lisa, and me, Philip. Our, uh, our final guest tonight, last we'll say but not least, even though that's trite and cliche-ish and I already wish I hadn't said it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is actually uh, here to promote a site called iVideoSongs.com. If you've been uh, at all entranced with Guitar Hero or, or any of those uh, similar sorts of uh, video games, uh, you might, might be interested in this site that will actually teach you how to play not just a flimsy plastic toy, but actual music. It's uh, real artists talking about how to really play, and uh, one of the featured artists is John McEwen from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And uh, we're going to be talking, uh, hopefully, let's see how this works. We are going to be talking to John McEwen and also with Tim Huffman. Welcome to BC Radio Live, guys. Hey, guys, this is Tim. Great to meet you. Hi, Tim. Hey. Good to have you. Good to talk to you. It looks like for right now we have Tim, so we will will talk to Tim. Welcome to BC Radio Live, then, Tim. (laughs) Hey, thanks a lot. I, I, uh, I know John's planning to join us, so... But I'm happy to chat with you, and uh, honored to be here. Well, well, tell us a little bit about iVideo songs. I, I took a look around uh, earlier. I myself am not a guitarist, uh, but it, it seemed to me to be, you know, basically online, you know, video instruction for people wanting to actually learn how to play guitar. It is a great idea. Uh, it really is because it's it's finally combining, you know, the capability of of the interactivity of the internet and actually being able to watch someone in real time. I, I hadn't played guitar much at all for about 20 years, and fairly recently, in the last couple of years, and, and even more so just in the last, uh, say, six months, I've, I've kind of been getting back into it. And it's uh, it's so great to have access to a lot more information than, than 20 years ago. But uh, this is kind of the final step here, where you can actually sit and watch someone who knows what they're doing and have them explain it to you and just see things like finger positionings and all that. It makes all the difference in the world. It's really great. Well, thanks so much, fellas. We we feel the same way. And, and you know, I, I grew up as a child of the 60s and 70s moving a needle across an album and, um, you know, looking in magazines for a close-up photo of a guitar player's hand and and so uh, I can appreciate the you know what it means to kind of peck on the dirt a little bit and learn the hard way but what I'm enjoying so much about this is just the notion of connecting artists in a more intimate um, conversation with their fan and it's almost like the anti-stage you know we're without the glamour and the pyrotechnics and and all the PA, where it's more of a living room kind of pull back the curtain and let me, with with HD cameras, of course, from multiple angles, let me show you what I did and explain it and demonstrate it slowly, take you through the, the process of how I wrote this this thing and, and what all the context is, and then do a fresh performance. And we're really uh, amazed to see the demographic, which is, kids from 15 to guys in their 60s who play the guitar, the keyboards, the bass, the drums, and in John's case, they're learning uh, outstanding banjo tunes. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really cool to watch them connect through technology to a a master musician in this way. What kind of response are you getting from the musicians? I bet it's actually really exciting for them because it's something kind of different. You know, it, it, it really is, and of course, the music industry being in such a state of flux, I think... 
all artists are looking for ways to to maximize their art, um, and this is just another way to do it. And you know what's amazing is a lot of these guys haven't had what we would think of as formal training. They may not have been to Berkeley or Juilliard, and many of them can't even read music, but they're masters of their instrument. And and to to see them communicate that in the way that they can, and then we fill in blanks around that using graphics with tab and chord grids and that sort of thing. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch it all come together. What was the original impetus? You know what what was the the light bulb moment? Uh, with, you know when you realized what this could be. You know I think it's really about the notion of of access and. Um, I was really fortunate to get nominated for a Grammy 25 years ago and work in the music industry, and and we you know have a we have a great team of founders and and um, uh, employees here in Atlanta, and we just kind of put our heads together and said, how could we take that insider experience and make it available to anybody anywhere? And and of course, as the critical mass of broadband users grew and and the proliferation of iTunes and mobile devices and all that stuff, we we were just we felt like it was time to take a video in that kind of environment and provide this kind of content. How long has it been up now? Well, we launched the site uh, early in the first quarter this year, so just a matter of months. And um, we, it's really been the the only point of distribution for us from a sale of song standpoint and then we in may we launched uh podcasts in the itunes store and just had a phenomenal response to the point of having you know five of the top 10 podcasts of any genre in the world um and so uh literally millions of of uh media requests so we're really thrilled about that and, and we've got some major third-party distribution in in online portals teed up to launch here before the end of the year that we're excited about and and then this gaming thing that you guys alluded to earlier is really you know i'm 48 so it's kind of caught me by surprise to watch a company like guitar hero have a billion dollars in revenue in a matter of a few short years and so what we've seen is that's kind of plowed the field and there's a lot of People, uh, oddly enough, teenage girls who typically haven't played a lot of guitar, who are kicking butt in this game, uh, they're an example of a demographic that's saying, now I really want to learn to play. Uh, and so we we have uh, a number of kind of dis- promotional discussions underway with those games and Ooh. to connect the dots that we're excited about. Wow, that would be <laughs> that would be tapping into something, wouldn't it? Yeah, we're really excited about it. And just one more way to to stir the pot and it's one of the things I love so much about music guys is just you can and it'll, it may sound corny to you but it's so powerful to watch even people of disparate points of view show up at a concert or sit in a bar or be at a party and yet when the music starts it, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on you know we everybody can love Neil Young playing in Martin guitar and, and blowing on harmonica and they can enjoy Clapton and and it's really neat to watch, even in this game thing, people of grandmas and dads and kids sort of gathering around classic rock music and new music and just having a good time uh, around music. Have there been any surprises in terms of 
um, maybe maybe genres or styles or techniques that work particularly well, you know, in, in this format, or, or perhaps some that you, you know, the reverse, the some that you thought would be would work better, you know, but doesn't, or is it, or or does that not matter? No, I, you know, I think probably the core of what we're doing is guitar, and that really wasn't a surprise because it's so much a focal point, and has been for 50 years in popular music. Um, and, and in, you know, we've really enjoyed doing piano stuff with Chuck Lavelle from the Stones and Graham Nash and great bass titles and drum titles with master drummers like Russ Kunkel and Liberty DeVito and DJ Fontana, Elvis's original drummer. And then we have kind of expanded into this acoustic instrument thing with, with John McEwen, who's, you know, the Jimi Hendrix of the banjo, who's just a, an amazing, talented, funny guy who who communicates so beautifully with this with this instrument that's been around for you know over a hundred years and and he takes it to another level so it's been cool to kind of watch that play out um, but I, I guess you know from a surprise standpoint one of the things that surprised me with the most was how these artists could kind of shrink what they do if, if you will that to take it from the grand stage to more of a look into the camera and and peel back the onion and and reveal their secrets, you know, and and enjoy the that cathartic experience of of just pouring their heart out. And it's the kind of thing that they don't necessarily get to do from the stage or on a CD, which is dig into, hey, I know you love my music, but if since you want to play it, let me show you how I do it. Have you have you? Found any sort of hesitation from people wanting, uh, concerned about quote unquote giving away secrets, or are they secure enough to know it's not so much what they do but how they do it? You know, I think in in uh, every case so far, we've had guys just willing to kind of you know reveal it, and and they they in most of them have a pretty funny sense of humor, and in doing it, they're saying you know I don't even know the name of this chord but I use it in my songs, and here's how I do it. And, of course, like I said earlier, we'll f- we'll flesh that out with some graphics. So um, it, at least on the camera, there's this great sense of candor about it. We have had a few artists decline to be involved just because they, for whatever reason, they didn't want to kind of get that granular. But, but right. uh, for the most part, uh, we've had a great response. Well, it's a super idea, and and looks like you're doing, you know, executing that idea extremely well, and uh, really congratulate you on it. And I think, you know, anything that that enables people to do things for themselves and in the real world, you know, using technology to to teach the fundamental, very manual things. There's a certain symmetry to that that I really like. Yeah, we do too. Well, we uh, we unfortunately. Have- Coming to the end of our show, we're out of time. Let's remind people again about the website, iVideoSongs.com. I have to tell you, I love the way the About page starts off. Jamming on the Rush song, Tom Sawyer, is a pen. Having Alice Lyson of Rush show you how to play it, that's one louder. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the general idea behind <laughs> iVideoSongs.com. Cool. And uh, thank you very much, to Jim Huffman, for spending time with us tonight and telling us about it. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Best of luck. Well, uh, thanks also again to Amy Leonard, to Tom Moon, and to Curtis Peoples from earlier in the show. And, of course, thanks, as always, Eric and Lisa for hosting the show. 
I am Philip Wynn. This has been BP Radio Live. We broadcast live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to visit us at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Until next week, aloha!